He'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. Don't bring the energy based on that law. We're looking at people for preseason. I'm going to take the minutes and give them to somebody else. Our coaches definitely going to take their minutes and give them to somebody else. So it's been very competitive. He and Tate were really on the glass. And then you had Scoop with the speed. I thought our speed and our athleticism found the shoulder a little bit tonight. And then you got to remember we missed Alvin. We missed Jamari. And we didn't have EG. So that, that, that's really a good win for us. And our confidence in being able to go and forward and they had everybody except for Ben Fleet. We are here to fill your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops and my written work. Uh, at the Dream Shake. Just came out with an article today. So make sure you check that out on the Dream Shake website. Um, as usual, we appreciate everybody that comes by every week, especially after another Rockets win. But before we get into that Rockets win, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. All right, I'm Vader. You can find me on Twitter at Vader underscore H-Town. And um, I post, you know, pretty much the majority uh, of the thing, content that I post is Rockets related. Um, I also uh, dabble in a little bit of uh, Texans and Astros content, but most of it is Rockets related. And, uh, you know, we try to keep it creative, keep it interesting, and, and put stuff out there that you guys would be interested in seeing. Absolutely. We, uh, of course, had our first Rocket Science uh, show a couple of days ago. That was a lot of fun. We definitely look forward to doing more of those. So if you haven't checked that out, that's on uh, the Clutch Fans YouTube site. So make sure you definitely check that out. Of course, we're going to be talking about the best team in the league, at least the team with the best record in the NBA so far. <laughs> it's the Houston Rockets as they came up with another win yesterday, 116-100. to 100 over the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they pretty much led from start to finish. Um, they were without three starters. They were without Aperin Shangoon. Um, Eric Gordon was out, and Jabari Smith was out with a sore ankle. But And also, not to mention, uh, Coach Salas was out. Uh, he was in health and safety uh, protocol. So John Lucas was the uh, head man last night, and they still managed to pull away and went uh, fairly easy yesterday. I mean, um, they, like I said, led from start to finish. K.J. Martin came out strong uh, from the beginning, kind of set the tone for everybody else. And uh, from there, I mean, you had Kevin Porter Jr. shoot a little bit better in the last game, but he was in complete control of the game. Had a couple of just great step-back moves. Uh, one move where he stepped back, looked at the man almost James Harden-like, and then still made the three. Jalen Green was aggressive from the beginning. You kind of knew he was, even though it was preseason. Um, like uh, Vader had kind of talked about before, they were the ones that stopped his 30-point streak last year at the end of last year. So something kind of told me that he was going to take this game a little bit more personal. Um, even though Toronto was out without Fred Van Vliet, they had pretty much everybody else. They had Scotty Barnes. They, uh, Scotty Barnes. They had Pascal Siakam. They had OG Adenobi. So they pretty much had their entire roster uh, other than Van Vliet. But it was an all-around great game. And, of course, you can't talk about the Rockets these days without talking about Tari Eason, who had another great game. He was the Rockets leading scorer for a second straight game uh, with 24 points last night. He was just all over the court. It just seems like wherever the ball is, that's where he ends up being. And again, 
you can pretty much tell the Rockets didn't run any plays for him. He just made all the plays himself. Um, he just continues to impress. Um, like I continue to say, he's the Alperin Shangoon of this year's Rockets to where they're not going to be able to keep him out the lineup. He's no way he's going to the G League. And at this point, I don't even see any way that he's going to be not getting regular rotation minutes. And, I mean, so crazy as it sounds, I mean, at some point, he's going to probably be starting this year if he continues on the same trajectory. Now, of course, regular season is a whole different animal. Teams prepare a little bit different. But, I mean, at some point, we're, we're not going to be able to keep saying, well, it's just summer league. It's just preseason. Eventually, it's just going to be what it is. He's just too good to keep off the court. So that's kind of where I want to start there uh, with you, Vader. What was kind of your impressions of uh, watching the Rockets get their second straight win last night against the Raptors? Well, like you said, there, there was just so much to like about the game yesterday. I, I don't even know where to start, but so I'm glad you gave me a jump off point because um, there are so many uh, things that I saw yesterday that were encouraging, things that I feel like translate into the regular season and not just uh, the preseason. But um, Tari, I mean, what can you say about this guy? He was a dominant player in summer league, you know, and so we tried to put a caveat on it because, you know, you don't want to get too, you know, ecstatic, too hyped up about, about summer league. It's summer league. You know, half of those guys are probably not even going to make an active NBA roster. If they do, they're not going to play very much. So uh, the stuff that he was doing and in summer league, you know, we kind of wrote it off. I mean, it was encouraging. Obviously you would rather see him come in and excel than come in and and look mediocre or fail. So, We were excited about it, no doubt. But to see him like carry the things that he did from summer league into the preseason, it has just been phenomenal to watch. Like I made a uh, I made a post on Twitter yesterday that I think I'm starting to become a Tar and Only fan. His, <laughs> yeah. his mom replied to me, she's like, "Starting? Like, what do you mean starting?" So uh, we she we had a little uh, banter there, but it was all in good fun. Um, you know, she. I, I feel like right now I might be the biggest Tari Eason fan, but she reminded me quickly that I, I, I'm a, <laughs> at best number two. She's definitely yeah. number one. Uh, but there's a lot there's a lot to not just like but love about Tari's game. Like you said, like we don't run any plays for him. He's not actively involved in the offense. But yet when you look at the box score, he is either like the leading scorer or he's right up there in contention for being the leading scorer. And you're like, how did he end up with 20 points? How did he end up with 22, 23, 24 points? And – he does it off of hustle. He does it off of, you know, there, there was that, there was that uh, talk, you know, pre-draft that maybe he wasn't a high IQ basketball player. And I don't really like yeah. when people say that um, because, you know, sometimes there, there's some other things behind it. And <laughs> so everything that we've seen from Tari Eason from the, from the beginning, like you don't see that at all. Like he seems like a guy who's very knowledgeable about the game. There's a lot of nuance to his game uh, that I don't see with a lot of other guys. Like he took a three pointer yesterday and he missed the shot. And he followed a shot. Like how many, t- like yeah. you hear back, even when you're in junior high, when you take a shot and you feel like you're going to miss it to follow the shot. And how many guys do you see actually do that? And he did that. And it resulted in him getting his own offensive rebound and put it in there, putting that in for a two points. Um, I don't know. It's just little things like that. Um, he got a steal. Uh, he was very aggressive. He came out on a double. Jalen Green was um, on the ball handle where he jumped out there, stole the ball. Uh, from the from the guy that was handling the ball, and it led to a fast break alley oop layup to Jalen Green. Uh, yeah. You know, he uh, Jalen Green was screaming because he was so hype about it. Tari Eason was going down the court, and he was screaming like, "This is that's contagious." That's when yeah. in basketball, and that's what I've been kind of like alluding to that I was hoping to see more of this season. 
them taking pride in their defense, being able to translate that defense into offense. And Tari Eason seems like a guy who he's dedicated to that side of the floor. He wants to make plays defensively. He wants to get uh, get steals, get blocks, get out on the break. And, and that's where we're going to see guys like Jalen Green and K.J. Martin and Kevin Porter Jr. shine because those guys are above the rim, uh, highlight reel dunkers. So just to see that happen last night, man, we I was in the I was uh, actually at the game and, you know, everybody went crazy because it was a really, yeah. really, really like really cool play. And like I said, not just because of the 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 alley-oop, but just to see him get out there and be so disruptive defensively. And then yeah. um, just like like the scoring, like he's always around the ball. He he has a nose for the basketball. I know like when you talk about Tari Eason, it almost becomes a little bit too cliche. I don't want to just like spout off cliches like but. Like I said, he has a nose for the ball. Like he just ends up with the ball in his hands. He ends up in a place where he can score. And um, it's just pretty fun to watch because um, we've had guys in the past who we've had to do so much to make sure that they get the ball and keep them happy. He goes out and makes, he creates his own opportunities. We don't, we, you know, Silas and Lucas and those guys don't need to necessarily like put things in place to like try to get Tari going and get his, get his motors already running high, right? He, it's yeah. like, as soon as he comes in the game off the bench, like he's, he's, he's a dog on the floor. And like, um, I can speak, you know, as a fan, long-term fan of the team, like we kind of gravitate <laughs> to those kind of players, you know, when we, when we see it, you know, it when you see it. And I think Tari Eason is one of those guys that I think he's really gonna like, um, he's going to be one of those kind of mainstay, uh, people that we look back and we like, man, like we need another Tari Eason, you know, like, you know, this is yeah. going to be way down the line. Like he's going to be here for a long time, but I think he's going to be one of those guys. Yeah. And, uh, funny you, uh, mentioned about, uh, players that we kind of gravitate to. And it's almost like we gravitate, gravitate to players that have that number 17. I mean, you go back, you look at, P.J. Tucker uh, before Tari Eason. Before P.J. Tucker, you had Mario Alley. Pretty much all exact type, uh, same type of players who don't necessarily need the ball in their hand, who always find ways to score. Now, Tari Eason actually seems like he's um, already a better scorer than P.J. Tucker uh, ever was, but P.J. Tucker still knew exactly where to be on the court. He always seemed like he was in the right um, defensive position always seemed like he always get get the loose balls, even though he was only like six five, six six at the most. So it's something about that number seventeen in the Rockets and Tari Eason is just fitting in perfectly with that. And we have to give it up to Rafael Stone. I mean, sixteen other teams pass on Tari Eason. Like you said, the the, the talk out of um a bunch from a bunch of college scouts was that you know he he doesn't have a high basketball IQ, which just to me is just kind of crazy anyway. Like. Saying somebody's having a high basketball IQ, you also almost calling them like they're just stupid or dumb, which we see Tari Eason has a very high basketball IQ. And it's not just the hustle plays. I mean, some of the passes he makes. I mean, I, I think gonna, his pass. I passing, was going to bring that up. Like when you yeah. when you got to a stopping point again, yeah. I have been most impressed. Like some of the stuff I expected from him because, you know, when you're going through the pre-draft process and we're looking at um, different prospects and whatnot, you kind of look at he has a huge wingspan. Uh, yeah. His his hands are huge, you know, so he's very disruptive defensively. But one of the things that has surprised me the most is his ability to pass. Like he's been yeah. a really good passer. He's made a few passes that I did not think that he could make. And so I'm super excited about that. And then I also feel like, you know, he's he's shown so far to at least be, you know, he serviceable from the three-point line. And he made yeah. a corner three in the uh, game last night. And I'm like, if he can make that three – 
easily, easily he's going to be the steal of the draft because yeah. he can handle the ball. Like I know they said that he could not dribble with his left so far. That hasn't like really been an issue because he knows how to pick his spots. And, you know, he's not out there trying to like go one-on-one with people, but he knows how to attack a closeout. He knows that like when he's in the open court, he's shown that he can um, get to where he needs to get to in order to make a play. But if he can also, you know, like be the type of passer that he's shown that he's capable of being and then also hit that corner three-point shot. Like, I really don't know what his ceiling is right now. It, it, it's it's kind of crazy to think that he dropped all the way to 17 when you look at all the things that he's uh, shown that he's capable of doing. Because, like, every time he goes on the court, it's almost like he gets a double-double. So we know he can rebound. We know he's a good uh, garbage guy around the rim. He gets a lot of uh, offensive rebounds and putbacks. He's also showing that he can knock down threes when he's left open. And all, he's showing that he can handle the ball in the open court, uh, uh, you know, just enough to where he's effective to not just score for himself, which he's done plenty of times, but to also, like, find an open guy. And now he's, you know, he's hitting corner threes. I mean, maybe he's not, like, really great offensively at any one thing, but he's shown that he's um, good enough he's just good enough at everything to, like you said earlier, I do not, I don't envision, I don't see a world where, where uh, Tari Eason is not in a rotation. And I thought last night was a really good uh, test for him because like I said, I I, I was a little skeptical of the uh, competition, but if you look at, um, if you look at Toronto, you have Scotty Barnes reigning rookie of the year, six, seven, six, eight guy, Um, do it all guy. You had Pascal Siakam out there. You know, I can keep I can go down the list, but they have a they have a plethora of, you know, six, seven to six, ten athletic, you know, big men. And so I thought that was going to be a huge test for Tari to go up against those type of guys. And and he excelled. He outplayed every last single one of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and just kind of going back to the pass. And I mean, that pass after the steal, he got the pass to, I mean, Dacia Nix. I mean. That's a special pass. I, the pass was even more impressive than anything else about that. Of course, unfortunately, Knicks didn't get the dunk or the layup. And that's something we're going to talk about in the second segment, a little bit more about the backup point guard position. But that pass, I mean, it was in between two players on the run, almost like he put a curve on it, and it hit Knicks in perfect stride. And it's not just that pass. He had another one where he got an offensive rebound, um, drove to the basket, uh, drew in the defense, kicked it out to K.J. Martin, and then K.J. Martin got a wide-open three. All those things kind of just add up together. And like you said, he may not be the greatest three-point shooter or the greatest ball handler or the greatest at getting to the basket, but when you start adding up all the things he does, that I mean, it, the sky's the limit for him. And like I said, I mean, you have to give up to Rafael Stone and their scouting department because a lot of teams, like I said, passed on Eason. And who's to say that teams – even if the Rockets didn't select him when they did, he might have dropped even further just because of what you were saying with the scouting report. So, I mean, that's a huge deal, a huge pickup for the Rockets that they continue to hit on these draft picks kind of just year after year. And then another person, uh, K.J. Martin, who, I mean, I know a lot of people were kind of out on because they've heard rumors or reports that he wants a bigger role or he wants out and his father saying this and that. But, I mean, he came in. He was the best player in the first quarter for the Rockets. He had the he had a plus twenty five, which was the highest on the team yesterday. I mean, he was getting his hands on loose balls. He was getting out on the fast break. Um, he was extremely active on the court. So you definitely got to give some uh, props to KJ Martin as well because I mean he could have sulked. He could have, um, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But he did go out there and he set the tone for the entire team. So I mean that's that's even more energy that you're getting from um, players that you know, may be on the outs on the rotation, but 
it seems like to me he's still trying to fight his way into that rotation. But, but the Rockets have a really good problem. I mean, they got – I mean, for a team rebuilding, and a team that's supposedly the worst team in the league, I mean, yes, they have the worst record, but that doesn't always necessarily mean you're the worst team. They have a lot of really good players. And Coach Silas and Rafael Stone, they're going to have some decisions to make because you're not going to be able to play all of them. I think at this point we can both agree Garrison Matthews is probably going to be out of the rotation. I just I hope I so. And, and nothing against yeah. nothing against Gary Bird. Um, yeah. He he filled his he filled his role and he he did what he was supposed to do when when Jalen went out with the hammy last year. Yeah. Um, you know, respect that. But at the same time, he is a he is a one dimensional player. Like he's good at taking charges on defense, but he's not a good defensive player overall. And I yeah, think they hunt uh, him when, out. You, yep. when you when you yeah when you put when you add everything up. I just feel like the other guys give you more, right? He, he he probably gives you more outside shooting, and you do need spacing. I don't, I don't want to act like spacing is not important, but yeah. I just feel like um, the 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 minuses on the defensive end do not, you know, the the pluses from the offensive end as far as his spacing do not, you know, outweigh those minuses on the defensive end. And so, like, I'm hoping he's just a practice player, and you know, maybe a guy that when. You know, you know, at, at, there was a point in time when we had uh, Gerald Green and he wasn't necessarily in the rotation, but there were times where yeah. we needed to put him in the game and see if he could provide a spark. So I'm hoping maybe he can be like a spark guy. You know, the offense is in the mud. You know, we're not really, you know, nothing is going. Guys, every guy, everybody's breaking. You know, you bring him in, you know, for a heat check and you can see see what he has. You know, leave him in for about five to six, seven minutes and see what happens. Yeah. But I mean, outside of that, and then him just being a, a, a really good teammate and a good practice player, I, I'm hoping that you know some of those other guys step up and 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 wrestle that rotation spot away from him. Because like you were saying about KJ, KJ looks like um, he looks like he's taking another step on his on his jumper. Like yeah. I know it's you know the sample size is super small, but I don't know. It just looked better to me. It looked more fluid. He looked more confident in it. Like the rotation on it, everything looked everything just looked better, and he. Um, like if he can if he can knock that down, I mean, I feel like that was one of his biggest the biggest attractors was you know is he going to be respected, you know, from the three point line. So if 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 KJ is doing that, like goodness, because we know what he can do as far as like getting out on the break, uh, you know, being, getting out in transition. I, I don't know what it is about him, but he does play well with Shingun. Like if you look at their their uh, plus minus together, like Shingun and, and KJ Martin actually are good together. Whereas like there were some there were some like I think Shingun and, and like Tate weren't as good as as Shingun and Martin. So um I think he's a valuable player. I, I hope that he continues to like show that show his worth, you know, and then you know, make them make a tough decision. You know, like if if, if he if you're good enough, um I think the cream rises to the top. You know, it's another one of those cliche things. But I don't see how if if he's uh going out there and he's showing that he's the best uh, player suited for that position. I don't see how you can ignore it. And like you said, he was the best player that we had in the first quarter. He wow. he was all over the place. And and you know some of the guys I was I was sitting with at the game, we were like, man, look at KJ Martin. And uh, some some people were joking, no, we can't trade him now. We can't trade him now. Like he you yeah. know he's too good. You know so I'm I'm you know I think competition, good healthy competition, is a good thing. Yeah, and I mean competition is a good thing. I mean, the Rockets are now 2-0. and um, And I actually asked Coach Lucas after the game about uh, K.J. Martin energy brought in, and that's something he said. He was like, you know, if they don't bring the energy, we're going to give those minutes to somebody else. 
And I think that's kind of just going through the entire team. That seems like kind of a theme that a lot of players are bringing up is talking about energy and bringing that energy to the court and constantly uh, putting pressure on the other team. And you can kind of see it. I mean, competition is bringing out the best in a lot of players because all these guys are young. I mean, they're friends, yes, but at the same time, they don't want the person next to them to take their job. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a job. So if you're not out there putting out the energy, you're not going to get playing time. So uh, you can tell from players like K.J. Martin, um, I mean, Bruno Fernando, um, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere for some people. I've been saying since last year, I think he should be the backup center and it's kind of playing out that way because to me, Garuba – uh, still has some work to do. And, of course, we'll, again, we'll talk about kind of the, some of the position battles in the second segment. But you can see even with Bruno Fernando, you know exactly what you're going to get from Bruno Fernando. You're going to get hustle. You're going to get him uh, getting on the boards. And you're going to get him rolling hard off of those pick and rolls, something we showed in uh, the Rocket Science show we had a couple of days ago. So it's something to be said to have a player that you know exactly what you're going to get and he gives you – to gives you. Uh, that consistency pretty much every single game. So, I mean, it's, it's great to see. I mean, 2-0, yes, it's preseason. You don't want to go crazy with it. I've watched too much basketball, like I'm sure you have, to where teams will look great in the preseason, and then they come out and they start the season 1-10. So you, you, you can't go overboard with preseason sometimes. But on some players, like Eason, just watching him, you can tell it's going to translate to no matter when it's when the actual games are being played, whether it's preseason or regular season. But um, overall, it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to go too far because you don't know what the other teams are really putting out there. You don't know how much of San Antonio – you know San Antonio is going to be bad, but you don't know how much uh, how much uh, Toronto is putting out as far as a game plan. But it's it's encouraging. Let me put it like this. Yeah. It's a lot better to be 2-0 and in the preseason and look good exactly. than to be 0-2 and, and and figuring out, like, okay, why is this player looking bad? Why is this player looking bad? So, at the end of the day, I think most Rockets fans will definitely take 2-0, and whether it's preseason, whether it's Euro basketball, wherever they're playing at. I think the Rockets fans will take it at this point. And I would argue that, like, some of the stuff that they're doing right now is going to travel. Energy is going to yeah. travel. Effort is going to travel. Hustle, want to. You know, all of those things that you, like, as a coach, you you beg for your team to do. Like, yeah. they're, they're not just going to magically start doing it when the regular season starts if they're not doing it in preseason. So yeah. I think it's encouraging. Yes, we, we, we have to put a preface on it because it is the preseason. But at the same time, the fact that you are seeing – you are you are literally seeing things right now that you did not necessarily see very much of last year. And there's just a different vibe around the team. And, and you know, I'm not trying to go crazy. I don't want to act like they're going to like make the plan. However, if they're gonna actually commit to playing defense every night, I mean, you just you don't know. Like if you're gonna commit to playing defense and being a defensive sound and defensive-minded team, team, um, I think that raises your floor tremendously. And so yeah. I'm encouraged by what I've seen. And, I and you know, hopefully a lot of it, you know, hopefully we continue to see it during the regular season because, um, like, even – I'm sure you saw the pictures, but even after the game, they had a they had a weightlifting session. Yeah, they were and a lot of guys that. were present for that. And to me, that's huge because you're talking about 20, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds – and, you know, instead of as soon as the game ends, you know, on a on a Friday night, you know, they're not just running out of there to go to the club. They're in there yeah. getting work in. They're, go they're going in there getting work in and, and getting prepped for, like, 
you know, the next game. And they knew they had a practice early practice today because there was that event today. And so to me, that's huge. I mean, it's, it's little things like that, that I think are very encouraging for the future. Yeah. And kind of just to um, continue on that, um, because a lot of times, like when we're down there interviewing the players and the coaches, we're like literally right next to the locker room and you can and you can see the players going to the elevator because the players elevator is right down there. And you can tell they're joking around. They're having a good time. You don't see players, you know, like you said, just rushing out of there trying to get out there. I mean, they're joking, having a good time going up, uh, you know, to their vehicles, whatever, and all that stuff adds up. I mean, you you got to have um, chemistry. You got to have um, camaraderie. I mean, you don't necessarily always have to like every single player on your team, but I mean, it definitely helps at the end of the day, as we kind of see in with Golden State now, <laughs> right, where, right. where that's going a whole different way. You, you got to. It, it makes it a lot easier when you actually like the people that you're working with, as we all know, because we all have jobs in different fields. You, I mean, yes, you especially, can still do your job when they're this young, Lashar. Because exactly. if you think yeah. back to like, think back to like that Dallas Maverick team that was really, really uh, talented and young way back with uh, Jamal Mashburn and Jason Kidd and <laughs> I already and, know where uh, you go, Jimmy Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, so those guys are all young, and they're all trying to, like, be the man and whatnot. And then, yeah. you know, they ended up – they they couldn't coexist. You had yep. Stephen Marbury and Kevin Garnett. They couldn't coexist. You know, you can yep. probably go down the line. So, like, when you have, like, a team this young, and you if you have guys together that, that, you know, at this stage of their career can't coexist, you have to break them up. I don't think you can keep them together. You know, yep. a, a veteran team like Golden State maybe can survive it because they already have the infrastructure in place. But – like this team, you know, at, at the phase that it's in, like if they are all bickering and they don't, they hate each other and they don't get along. I think not only does it translate um, on the court, but I think you start have, you, you have to start moving some of those pieces around. If yeah. history, you know, if, you know, history has shown us that. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, the Rock's in a really good place. Um, like you said, the, I mean, if you look at the first two games, they've held, um, I can't remember the exact number uh, what, uh, San Antonio ended up shooting from three-point range, but I'm pretty sure it was under 20% because they were under 10% for most of that game. They held Toronto to 17% shooting from three-point range. They were one of the worst teams last year and giving up three-pointers. So that's a huge deal, especially in this day and age where pretty much every team is shooting at least 35 threes a game. Some teams are shooting 40, 45 threes a game. So three-point defense is huge. It also helps you get out on your fast break, which is something the Rocks is definitely want to do more, which is all – part of that energy thing that we've been talking about this entire podcast. So the fact that they're able to keep two teams on the 20% from three point range, I mean, preseason or not, that's a great sign because for the Rockets to win this year or next year, or whenever they actually start winning consistently, they have to be able to play defense. So bringing in Tari Eason, bringing in Jabari Smith, improve defense from your backcourt, um, and then you still got Eric Gordon, who's still an above-average defender. I mean, all that's going to eventually help the Rockets on the court to where we're finally going to get to see them actually winning consistently. And I'm sorry, you know, Wimby fans out there or people that's hoping for that. I mean, maybe maybe it still happens this year. Maybe the Rockets finish with the fourth-worst record and somehow still get the first. But I just I don't see a path to where they're the worst team in the league unless they have some catastrophic catastrophic injuries um, that you can't, you know, kind of foresee right now. But just going by what they have right now and seeing some of these other teams that we know are tanking for 100% for sure, 
it's going to be a hard path for, uh, you know, pro tankers out there for the Rockets to get that, that number one pick. Um, but in the day for me, just like being able to watch winning basketball, I'm perfectly fine with that. If they don't get Wimbenyama, I think I can live with myself watching actually good basketball for once. So somebody needs to tell these guys that they're supposed to be bad this year because I don't think they believe it, Lashard. Oh no! Like the stuff I, that we're seeing from them is like they they are buying in. Like yeah, at, you know, as, you know, as a person that's coached, you got to have buy-in, and so like yeah. it looks like these guys have bought in, and and I don't think that they realize like hey. You know, we're we're saying, hey, you guys are supposed to suck at least one more year. <laughs> yeah, you guys are supposed to be really bad this year, and it's like, no, they they they're ready. They're doing things to attempt to accelerate, you know, their own timeline, their own process. Because we're looking at it kind of more like linear. Okay, yeah. you know, a natural progression. We were the worst team in the league the last two years. There's no way they can jump and make a play in. However, you know, if they are going to play uh, good defense and say Jalen Green takes another uh, another leap. Like, he scored over 20 points uh, last night yeah. effortlessly. Like, I, I kept looking up at the uh, at the Jumbotron, and I was like, dude has, you know, X amount of points, and I couldn't believe it because it he was he was aggressive, but he wasn't ball dominant. He wasn't, yeah. like, going out of his way to, like, you know, chuck, chuck shots up and take shots from other guys. He just scored so effortlessly. So, like, just imagine when he really tries to assert himself and put his uh, fingerprints and stamp on it onto a game. He hasn't even done that yet. Like right now, he's yeah. he's been content with get picking his spots and getting his and getting his teammates involved. So like I still think there's another another level to this team that we still haven't seen. For example, like you said, we were missing uh, three potential starters, you know, yeah. in, the, in in that game against Toronto. So I don't know, man. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm, but like there's a lot to like. Even when we play San Antonio and we you know we beat the brakes off of San Antonio, but when you watched them play the next the very next game against Orlando. They were they were like beating Orlando pretty bad. Yeah. Orlando had to work really hard to come back. You know, Paulo uh Bankero only had, I think, uh nine points that game. And yeah. um nine points, like five rebounds, something like that. And so like I, I kind of found it amusing just, you know, just because I like to make the comparison. I know it's not a one for one, but you yeah. know, I I was joking because Jabari had 21 points and eight rebounds against San Antonio and Paulo was only able to get, you know, the nine points and five rebounds, I think it was. But you know, it, you know, yeah. it, that's just fun for me. But you know, we we keep trying to like uh diminish their accomplishments because we don't want to get our hopes up, but hey. You know, if they keep going out there and competing, I think some good things are going to happen for them for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we'll get another idea of that tomorrow in the next game. But they continue to play. Hopefully we'll get some type of update about uh, Jabari Smith and his ankle. The boot was off today. Um, I think it was just precautionary anyway. Yeah, he was at um, the but, practice. He was at the yeah. practice today and he was walking. He was moving around fine, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think they just did that to kind of stabilize it. But. He, yeah. I mean, he didn't like do anything crazy today at the open practice, but he was there. He was uh, walking around with his normal uh, tennis shoes on. Yeah, and there's no reason to rush him. I mean, everybody wants to see him play, but at the end of the day, you're you're trying to get ready for the regular season. So if he still has any soreness at all, it's no way you play him. You 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 keep him until he's absolutely 100 percent ready to go because you want him ready for that first uh, game of the season. Um, more than you want him ready for a game three of a preseason. Um, that's going to wrap it up for the first segment. Second segment, we're going to be talking about some of the position battles um, that we um, have seen throughout training camp in the preseason. Now, some are 
kind of already wrapped up uh, more than others. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the backup center position and also the backup point guard position, which um, in some cases has been a little bit disappointing so far. So uh, we'll definitely be talking about those things in the second segment. So please stick around. The uh, chemistry that y'all been building over the last couple of years seems like y'all getting a lot more comfortable on the court together. Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, we've always had the chemistry off the court. Um, that ain't really changed, but on the court, I think it started after our injury when we got to sit down and actually, you know, talk about the game, learn the game, and be on the same page. And then once we got back, got in the flow of things, and we just built off each other. And this whole summer, we've been playing against each other, guarding each other. And, and welcome back to the Rocket Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. And as you saw in that last clip, um, I asked Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. about the chemistry that they've been building the last uh, couple years. Of course, like uh, Jalen was saying, they've always had chemistry off the court. We saw that kind of before the draft even happened. Um, but they're also starting to build chemistry on the court. And we seeing, we're starting to see that more and more as each game goes by. But another part of the backcourt that we want to talk about is the backup point guard position, which is going to be extremely important this year. Last uh, year, the Rockets had some uh, some vets playing the backup minutes. They had DJ Augustine, they had Dennis Schroeder. Um, this year, they're kind of going the younger route. They're going with Dacia Nix and Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty Washington didn't get into the fourth quarter uh, last night, but when he did get in, he made an immediate impact. Dacia Nix, on the other hand, um, and as somebody that has – Followed Dacia Nix from his time in the G League last year where he was one of the best players, if not the best player in the G League um, for most of the year that he was playing down with the Vipers. He has struggled a little bit to start this um, training camp and also to uh, start the preseason. He had some good moments in the summer league where he actually shot really well from three-point range over 40%. But so far, he's been struggling. He's not been able to get to the basket as much. Um, he doesn't seem as confident out on, on the court. And the Rockets seem to be trying to give him every opportunity to take that backup um, position. They almost seem like they're almost content on sending Ty Ty Washington down to the G League just based on the rotation that they've done this first two games. But unless Knicks picks it up, it's going to get to the point where they're going to start to look, well, maybe we should give Ty Ty more minutes and see what he can bring. But at least for now, it seems like the Rockets are still stick sticking with Knicks, even though he struggled again yesterday. He struggled with a shot. Um, he struggled even when he was getting to the basket, getting off clean shots. Um, he's hesitating. He doesn't seem as comfortable even just running the team when he's bringing the ball up the court. And that's something that, as a backup point guard, that's not going to get a lot of minutes. You definitely have to be confident at least running the team because it may even get to the point where they just stagger KPJ and Jalen all together where – Neither one of them, Ty Ty or Dacian, they started to back a point guard. Because we even saw Josh Christopher running some point guard, even when Ty Ty or Dacian Nix was on the court. So it's still kind of a position in flux right now. Um, but what was kind of your overall opinion of what Dacian Nix has given in the first couple of games? Um, I hate to say it because I have been a supporter of Dacian Nix. Like I've actually had some arguments, you know, friendly argument, yeah. arguments with some of my friends in regards to Dacian Nix. Because, like, I look at this guy and he, you know, I know he's he's battled some weight issues, but, um, you know, I saw him up close today. I mean, he looks like he's been definitely working on his body. I mean, he 
you know, I, you know, I'm not a nutritionist or, you know, any, anything like that, but it definitely looks like he cut some weight. Um, I don't know how much more he would need to cut to get to his ideal size, but I, I, he, he looks like a hard worker to me. Like, and I see a six, four guy who's probably like 220, 225 pounds yeah. playing point guard. And that is an automatic advantage for you right there. If you can have a guy of that size who can, you know, effectively uh, play point guard for you in the NBA, I think that that is a plus. And just looking at him in the G League um, from the first year when he was in the G League with the G League Ignite to last year when yeah. he was with the Vipers, there was an immense growth for him, like like yeah. substantial growth. Like he was not even close to being the same uh, player that he was uh, uh, year one to year two. So, you know, me, I'm thinking, okay, a lot of this stuff that he's doing is going to, is going to travel, is going to translate to the big club, but it's almost like every time he comes up to the Rockets, you only see it in brief uh, flashes. And like right now you're not seeing it enough. And I would say this even goes back to um, summer league there. He had his moments in summer league. He, he shot pretty effectively. Uh, if you just look at the percentages from three point line, but he did, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I felt like he did not finish very well. And I also felt like he did not um, run the offense the way that I thought, the way I expected. I'll put it like that because yeah. I kind of um, thought that he was going to be more of a, um, a a floor general type of point guard, pure point guard type of guy. And I think uh, from what I've seen from him, like I don't know if that's necessarily his game. And I thought that it was. And I feel like, you know, on a team where you have Kevin Porter Jr. as your starting point guard, being able to come off the bench with a change of pace guy who's going to actually come in and like direct the offense. And you see that like with Memphis, for example, when, back when they, you know, when they had uh, John Morant and you, you would see Jones, Jones come in and Jones were like completely like run the offense and they looked yeah. amazing because it was, it was a change of pace. You know, John's an amazing player. He's one of the best players in the league, but uh, Ty, uh, Jones would come in and he was able to like, you know, they didn't skip a beat. In fact, a lot of times they played better. And I kind of envisioned uh, that kind of role for Dacian Knicks. But the more the more I see it, that looks like that is going to be Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty Washington didn't even play the whole game. And I feel like he his minutes in the in the short amount of time that he got, he was he was much more effective in and getting guys set up. Um, I can think of three plays just off the top of my head right now without even like looking at the clips, but um I was sitting there and I was watching it and a guy kind of curled around behind him and he kind of flipped him the ball and got him an open shot. I don't know if it was um, the the guy we had just got from OKC, um, Theo. I, I, Theo I Maladon. Yeah, him. Yeah. I think it was him. And then there was another play where um, the other team was on a fast. They had a they had they were out in transition. They had a fast break situation going and he made a very heady defensive play where he stole the ball. And then he took it, uh, you know, he another example of turning defense and offense. He stole the ball and then he uh, took it the length of the court and he hit a floater. You know, that was an amazing play. Um, that's something that we haven't really seen from Knicks. And then there was that uh, really nasty step back that he made. Like, And I'm like, oh, that's not in your bag. Like, what are you doing? Like, he he, yeah. he actually, like, uh, hit that guy with that with that little move. And the guy, like, you know, was completely – he created so much separation. And then he knocked down that step back three. And so these are three plays, uh, you know, three quality plays that I don't feel like I saw Dacian Knicks make. Like, I, there were a few times where I felt like Dacian Knicks got to the basket. But once again, he seems like for a guy his size, you would think that uh, finishing at the basket would be something that is a strength for him because he's a big dude. 
He seems like he, you know, we saw with Harden for all those years. Harden was able to get to the basket when he wasn't trying to like over embellish uh, to get to get foul calls. <laughs> yeah. He was an excellent finisher. Like when he actually went in there and he used his strength and he used his body and, you know, he went up for that for that shot. I mean, he was amazing. And so, you know, in a perfect world, I'm thinking, OK, Deshaun Nix is 220 to 230 pounds. He's six foot four. He's going to go in there. And he's going to punish the defender, you know, even, you know, a guy like that going downhill, putting his body into you and finish. And we just haven't seen it so far. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence thing because I remember at back, I, I used to, there was this, um, I don't want to say it was a reality show. It was like a documentary. I don't know if you ever, if you saw it, but it, it covered the whole draft process for the G League Ignite. So it, oh, yeah. it, it showed, yeah. yeah, so it showed him. Uh, Dacia Nix, it showed him, it showed Jalen Green, it showed Kaminga and this other guy whose yeah. name is, um, I, I can't think of his name right now, but anyways. Um, and then there was this situation where, you know, he did not help his draft stock that year because he was he was not really, really very, very good at the G League, G League Unite level. And then they had the um, the training, not the training camp, what is it called? The um, combine. So he went combine, to the combine yeah. and they, you know, they were doing that five on five and he played terrible. I mean, he played yeah. really bad. He tanked his draft stock, and that is part of the reason why I feel like he ended up not getting drafted. And to me, it just looked like he was in his own head. He looked he he did not look very confident. And so, like now, I'm kind of wondering now that because when he's down in in the valley with RGV, I mean, he looks like the best player in the G League. He looks like the best player in the G League. Like he he could easily like get 30 points and and double digits assists when he's down in the G League. But when he comes up to the Rockets, he does not look like the same player at all. And so part of me has to wonder, and I know there is a, a a gap in the competition level, but we see guys all the time who go down the G League and they excel and they're able to translate what they did down in, in the G League um, to the big club. And yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything that he's doing down in the G League that he brings back up to the Rockets. And so that concerns me. I would like to see like at least one thing where like he excelled at this down in the G League. And he's also able to excel at this with the Rockets, and he he's not doing that so far. Yeah, and like I said, I watched him all last year. Talked to him a couple of times after a couple of games. Um, he was definitely a totally different player there. Of course, the the competition is not the same. A lot of those players aren't going to make it to the NBA. But even talking to a coach of Dale Fatah, who of course is coaching him now with the Rockets, I mean, he talked about how Dacia Nix was their best player. Once they got Dacia Nix back, especially for the playoffs last year, he made all the difference in the world. And I think a lot of it has to do with his confidence. He, he doesn't know exactly where to be because with the Vipers, he knows him and Trevlin Queen were the two best players. He knew that. He knew once he got the ball, he can go and score. Now he's having to think about it too much. And you know, you're starting to think as a point guard. That's not a good thing. <laughs> it may sound crazy, but it has to be – you have to just know exactly what you want to do without even thinking twice about it. Like Chris Paul knows what he wants to do before he even thinks about it. He knows exactly who he's going to pass to. He knows exactly where this person is going to be on the court. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He's not sitting up there thinking two times or three times about it. I think that's what Knicks is doing. He's overthinking everything because he's playing now with Jalen Green. He's playing with Kevin Porter Jr. He's playing with Jabari Smith. He's playing with guys that are higher on, on the, on the totem pole than he is. So, it's almost like he doesn't know, should I take the ball to the basket or should I just try to run the offense? He's like in yeah, between. Yeah, and and he doesn't have that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he doesn't have 
he's not the most athletic person to begin with. So he has to rely on his strength and he has to rely on the fact that, I mean, he, at least in the G League level, he was a, a good playmaker. He, he was making things happen, but he's just not translating that to the NBA. And at the end of the day, the NBA is a result-oriented business. No matter if you were doing it in the G League and you don't come to the NBA and you don't do it, it doesn't really matter what you do in the G League. Um, not to say that the G League is not important because I definitely know it's important. I watched it for an entire year. It was a, It's a lot of players, like you mentioned, that have taken the G League and what they did in the G League, and they translated to the NBA, and they wouldn't be in the NBA without the G League. I mean, you can go to the NBA site. There's hundreds of players that played in the G League that are just extremely um, talented, and now they're very well known. For instance, uh, Fred Van Vliet, who got a huge contract. He was um, in, he made his, his name in the G League, and then he translated over to the NBA. Another example of players that play really well in the G League but just can't get it done in the NBA, um, Anthony Lamb, great in the G League. I mean, you watch him in the G League, you think, oh, man, he's he can he can really play. He shoots the ball well. He's he's rebounding well. But then when he got to the NBA, none of that translates in the NBA. So sometimes that's just the way it is. I think Nick still has time to turn it around because I think the Rockets are really trying to give him that opportunity. So he still has time to turn it around. So – I'm not going to say that, oh, well, that's the end for Knicks and they're going to give it to Ty Ty. I think they're still willing to give Knicks that opportunity because one thing that Coach Lucas actually mentioned, uh, I think it was actually in the pregame, was that Knicks is actually more like him than Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. kind of goes on instinct. He has the talent. He has the athleticism to where he doesn't necessarily have to be a pure point guard to be successful. Knicks, that's his game. He has to be that pure point guard to be able to succeed in the NBA. And that's why Lucas was like, he's more like me in that way. And that's why I'm I'm on him harder than I am Kevin Porter Jr. Because he has to be that pure type point guard to be able to even get playing time in the NBA. And so far, we just haven't seen it. I mean, maybe we see it going forward. Like I said, we've seen some glimpses, but just not enough to where you're like, okay, yes, he's the backup point guard. Ty Ty's going to the G League. We haven't seen it yet. So the door is open. So if Ty Ty walks into it, it's going to be up to Knicks to close that door back because right now he's definitely letting Ty Ty back into this backup point guard race to where when we came into this preseason, it was almost established that, okay, Knicks is going to get the backup minutes and Ty Ty is going to go to the G League. Right now that's not set in stone anymore. It's definitely a chance that Ty Ty can you know, move in and maybe get some of them backup point guard minutes. Uh, one more position I want to talk about before we wrap up the show is um, the backup center position to where Bruno Fernandez seemed like he's just taking a stranglehold on that entire position right now. I mean, he went and took his two-way contract, turned it into a standard NBA deal, um, long-term deal. Um, he's kind of taken over the backup role. The first two games, he's been the first center. Uh, actually, this last game, he was the starting center. Uh, the first game, he was the back first center off the bench uh, once Aper and Shungun went out the game. So it seems like to me the Rockets kind of already made up their mind that Bruno Fernandez is going to be that backup center. So the question is, where does that leave um, Usma Garuba? Um, some people are saying maybe he should try to play power forward. I I don't think that that's necessarily his best position because he hasn't gotten to the point where his shooting is good enough to play that forward position in the in today's NBA. Um, so he has to get his minutes at backup center. And seeing what the Rockets are going to keep Boban for for. You know, one reason or another, good locker room guy. Um, maybe he plays in certain situations where they need somebody his size and his height. 
Um, so it seemed like he may stick around as that 12th man on the bench. So where exactly does that leave Uzma Garuba in your opinion? Um, I hate it. I hate it, honestly, because um, like I said, I, I've been on the Garuba train. I'm a Garuba believer. I've been yeah. like holding out hope that this man is going to like carve out a, a niche in the rotation uh, because I do think that he does bring quality to the team. But, you know, if you really look at it objectively right now, uh, Bruno Fernando has surpassed him. And I know that for a fact just by the fact that uh, Bruno started uh, the game, the preseason game that we just played in place of Alper and Shingun, since Shingun didn't play at all. So to me, you know, maybe that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, Garuba could come out and start the next game if Shingun doesn't play. But to me, it's like they gave him first dibs on, yeah. you know, that backup center position, right? So and and I don't think he's done excuse me, I don't think he's done anything to um I've been screaming a lot at the game today but I don't think he <laughs> has done anything to um and, and I'm talking about Bruno Fernando I don't think he's done anything to like lose that position like everything that he's done I feel like are are things that they needed him to do he comes in he rebounds he defends he crashes the boards um you know he says really good screens too you know that's one of the things that I you know that I like to point out when Garuba is in the game as far as like screen setting and um, for, Fernando does a lot of those things as well, but he's a bigger body. He has more NBA yeah. experience. And I, right now, I think you're right. Like he is definitely ahead of Garuba and I, he's also a, a vertical threat. I mean, yeah. we don't have a vertical threat outs, outside of him from that position. Garuba is not a vertical threat. Like for all the things that he is uh, adept at and good at, he's not a leaper. You know, he's more of a <clears throat> he's 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 pretty fast, I think, for his size. I think yeah, he moves jumper, his feet. Yeah. yeah, I think he moves his feet pretty well. But he's not, you know, he's not gonna sky up there and get any of these like highlight dunks. I mean, his dunks are just like when he does dunk, it's almost like he barely gets over the rim. Um I mean, Bruno can get up there and he can catch those lobs. Yeah, I mean, you saw yeah. it in that first preseason game against San Antonio. Uh KPJ found him a few times on those lobs. Um, in fact, I think it was so successful this this previous game. I think KPJ looked for him too much. He tried to force a few passes to him because he know he knows Bruno can go up there and get them. But Toronto yeah. played you know played the uh, pick and roll a little bit better than San Antonio. Obviously, they just have better players and they have a lot more athletic and athletic players and a lot more length. And yeah. um, KPJ you know had a couple of like <clears throat> balls deflected and turnovers just from trying to force the ball to Bruno, but. Bruno is a threat out there, you know, offensively in that regards. It's just being able to play his role like Clint Capella did when he was here. And then uh, Garuba, Garuba does, Garuba does his offense, he does his damage offensively differently. I don't think it's necessary. It's, it's not going to be in the pick and roll in the same way where he can roll to the basket and catch these lobs. Um, Garuba is a good passer out of the short roll. He is really yeah. good at screening. He's really good at like rescreening. Like he does a lot of stuff that you really don't really notice because it, like I've said before, it doesn't really show up in the box score. So I do think that there's a place on the team for him. But as of right now, he has a, I mean, he has to outplay Bruno Fernando. And, you know, let's just be honest. Uh, Bruno Fernando has has done some really good things here. But um, if you can't outplay him, I mean, you just, you can't get on the court. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. It's not like, it's not like they're asking him to outplay, you know, a starter level, a starter yeah. caliber player in the NBA. He's ha he has to outplay another, you know, backup guy. And 
Um, if you can't do that, I mean, your your minutes have to be earned. And unfortunately, he may be a, a candidate to be back down in the G League this year. And I know that he probably doesn't want that. You know, he's yeah. a, a very um, big piece on his um, national team. And so I think he probably feels like the G League is below him. He he wants to be in the NBA, and I, and I get it. But, you know, in order to get minutes, you're going to have to, like, first of all, like, when he first came back, and I know there was a lot of discussion about this, I don't think, me personally, I don't think that he looked great physically. And, you know, there was some, like, back and forth, you know, on social media about, well, you don't have to be, like, you know, an Adonis-looking dude in order to be in shape. You know, you yeah. can look at a guy like J uh, Draymond Green. You know, he's not, like, you know, you know, muscled up dude or anything like that. But he's, yeah. you know, he's still athletic and he's effective in, in what he does on the court. And so, you know, if I were Garuba and I knew that there were other guys who were in, in a position to take my minutes, I think I would do everything that I could to be physically prepared, be physically ready. You know, I would yeah. have I would try to get in like the best physical shape that I could possibly be in. And I think that would be reflected by my appearance. And then I would go out on the floor and and I, I feel like, I mean, if you're in, in, if you're in the best shape that you can be in, I mean, I think you're going to play better. And so like, I'm hoping Garuba does uh, prove to be a, uh, you know, an important piece, a rotational piece. But right now, I mean, I think he's, I think he's absolutely out of the rotation. I think uh, Fernando is a, is ahead of him. And I don't think he's done anything to uh, relinquish that position right now. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I've been like saying Bruno, Bruno Fernando since last year. He just seemed like he's the most NBA ready. He fits the position the best behind Amper and Shangun um, as far as backup center. So I, I, I'm not surprised. And he, like you say, he hasn't done anything to change um, change that position in my mind. So I think going into the season, he will be the backup center. And, and unfortunately, Garuba may be spending some more time down in the uh, G League, but I mean, I say unfortunate, but it may be the best thing because he'll get 30 minutes a game uh, like he was doing a few games before he got hurt last year for the Vipers. That end of the day, that'll help him kind of improve his game. He can work on his game. He can get up as many shots as he wants because he'll be one of the main guys there. If he's staying with the Rockets, he's only getting – if he's getting any time at all, he may get garbage time minutes at this point. So, and to I want to keep in mind, Lashard, that he's yeah. only 20 years old. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a pretty – Plenty of time. Yeah. yeah, there's enough time for him to, to figure it out. And there's a, there's a pretty – decent age gap between where he is and where Fernando is. Yeah. You know, Fernando was Fernando was in his position before on on his previous team where he was that yeah. guy who wasn't, you know, quite, you know, in the rotation and other guys were in front of him. You know, sometimes you just have to pay your dues and you have to like work on your craft. And Garuba's in that position right now where you he he just needs to get better. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. And I think that's something the Rockets still have. They have time. They have time to develop these players. Um they have time to see exactly who they want to take beyond this year when they actually want to, not want to, but when they are expecting to win more games and possibly, you know, fight for a play-in spot uh, the following year. So they, they have time to develop these players. And even if we're saying some of these players aren't doing well now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to do well in the future because all these guys are extremely young. I, I, I don't think we can say that enough. These guys are 19, 20, 21 years old. We're not talking about a bunch of 30-year-old players that still haven't figured out the NBA. So all these players still have time to make their impact in the NBA. But as we know, we've been watching basketball long enough. Not everybody can do that. 
I mean, some players are just not going to be able to take that next step. Um, so I think as the season go on, we'll see exactly who's going to take that next step and we'll get another idea of that with the next game. Uh, they have Miami coming up. I think Miami rested a few of their stars last game. So more than likely players like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero are going to play in this next game. So I think it's going to be um, a good, another good test for the Rockets. As and we get closer, is, and this to, is Jimmy Butler without the uh, without the without, dreadlocks. Yeah, without the without the, uh, without the hair extensions. <laughs> it's, it's it's back to regular. Uh, not no trolling, Jimmy Butler. Yes, yeah. so yeah, I, was, I think that'll that be something a, a, else. I mean, that's all I'm gonna say about that because I don't want him to come looking for me. But yeah, that was, that was something else. Man. Yeah. I mean, he is a town ball, not Houston. He, I know. he, he is a town ball guy. <laughs> he makes so that perfectly clear, doesn't he? He makes that clear every chance he gets. So uh, that'll be interesting to see with that. Um, again, Vader, I appreciate you coming on. I think another great show. Um, I definitely will be seeing you uh, on our next Rocket Science show that should be coming up at some point uh, next week. All right. It was, it was fun as always. All right. Y'all take it easy. Go Rockets. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for another episode of Rockets Fuel Podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody that comes by every week. Uh, check out our new show, Rocket Signs. We're going to have plenty of content coming up uh, throughout the season. A lot of exclusive content, kind of behind the scene things from press conferences and uh, uh, pregame and practices. So we, like I said, we appreciate everybody that comes by every week and checks us out on YouTube, checks us out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, like I said, we're going to continue to bring you the content, good Rockets content all year long. Uh, so make sure you check us out next week.